This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Vibrant Raw Living. I'm your host, Victoria Madian. Join me on a journey of discovering your infinite potential. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I'm going to be talking about the biochemical health benefits of heat. And I have been in heat and extreme heat temperatures for a long time. I would say really practicing yoga and going into saunas for about the past 10 years. And initially, when I began this process, I was feeling so many different benefits and I really didn't know what the cause of it was. I was just addicted to hot yoga and I just felt so amazing afterwards. Didn't really understand why and kept going back for more, you know, year after year after year, day after day, month after month. So I started to do a little bit of research because I do get questions from people from time to time. Like, what's the difference between regular yoga and hot yoga? And when I tell people my flexibility increased so much more when I started practicing hot yoga versus when I was just growing up dancing and, you know, stretching within that realm. And there's a couple different factors that may have changed just because my, you know, growth spurt probably started to slow down a little bit by the time I was around like 18, 19 years old, even though I didn't stop growing until I was probably about like 25, 26 my flexibility really did increase a lot when I started practicing hot yoga, really just because the heat allows you to relax a lot more and go deeper into the stretches because your muscles are really warmed. And there's all these other biochemical processes that are taking place, which I'll get into in a little bit. So I've incorporated heat and extreme heat. So we're talking over 100 degrees, usually anywhere from 105 to 180 degrees basically cooking myself. No, just kidding. I basically have been putting myself in these really heat stress environments, but I personally love being in extreme heat. I love like desert heat. I love dry heat. Um, I've really been able to enjoy heat in a lot of different ways. And heat is not everybody's jam. Some people get so annoyed. They love it when it's super cold and they like clouds and I love it when it's 80 plus degrees outside, sunshine, rainbows, all that stuff. Maybe not rainbows because that would indicate clouds. But anyway, I do really enjoy the heat. And so that being said, that definitely makes it easier to cope with the different things you can go through. Some people feel like they're suffocating or something when they're in a hot room or they have all these different, they get really irritated by the heat. But For me, I really enjoy it. So that's one of the things that first off helps, but I have incorporated a lot of different things in my regime over time. So when I started practicing hot yoga, it was basically 105 degree heat, 40% humidity, 90 minutes, and I would usually do about like 15 minutes of meditation prior and post class. So I would typically be in the room for about two hours. And This is something that I did pretty much every day for years and years and years, like eight plus years. I've kind of backed off doing as much of a regular daily yoga practice as much anymore due to where I'm living is not as close to a studio. But 
I do go into the sauna, which is at um, the gym that I work out. And I've been doing a lot more weight training for certain areas of my body, which I've really been enjoying increasing my strength in that respect. And the sauna that I go into for 20 to 45 minutes a day is heated to about 160 to 170 degrees. And I typically stay in there for a while. Normally, it's recommended to get the benefits of the heat of over 20 minutes where you're stimulating heat stress, which I'll get into a little bit later. That's a good amount of time. Some people have a lot of difficulty staying in there a long time, pretty adapted to the heat by this point. If I stay in there for 45 minutes, I might be going out every 10 or 15 minutes or so and like doing a nice cold shower and then coming back in. And that can also be really good for your blood vessels because you're expanding your blood vessels in the heat and constricting them in the cold. But this works more so when you're in extreme temperatures and really able to give yourself cold temperatures around like 40 degrees Fahrenheit if you can. So in addition to hot yoga and doing sauna at the gym, which is just like a dry Swedish style sauna, which has like rocks and you can like pour water on it and stuff. I've also been into Korean spas for probably about the past three or four years. In Korea, there's a lot of, this is a very big part of their culture. There's these huge spa centers where you can just basically bring your whole family. You can go and relax. You can get a skin scrub, get a massage. There's a bunch of different things that you can do. And they oftentimes have a lot of different facilities. So in the like wet portion of the spa, they'll be heated baths or like heated pools of water that are it's separate for men and women this portion of it typically there's heated pools of water there's oftentimes sometimes multiple different mist or steam rooms that are they have like you know water coming from the ceiling and there's different styles some of them um, have stones that you lay on as a part of you know the feature of that particular room And they also have dry heated saunas. So if you don't want moisture, oftentimes as well, there'll be a very, very cold pool of water, which is typically around like low 50s, 40 degrees. Like I would say pretty much anywhere between like 45 to like mid 50s has been my experience with the different Korean spas that I've gone to. And one of the other features that I love at one of the spas that I go to is um, they have like a like a polar ice plunge type of water feature where you basically stand under this thing and you pull a lever and it just dumps like ice cold water on you. (laughs) It's like, it actually feels really good. Going to Korean spas has actually acclimated me to a lot of cold and like colder temperatures and really enjoying that because there are a lot of benefits of cold, which I'm not going to be talking about too much in this episode, but Basically, it does work to do a lot of anti-inflammatory work that sometimes you'll see different athletes, they'll take ice baths or things of that nature or do cold water shock therapy. It has a lot of different health benefits for the body, similar to how there are a lot of benefits from heat to the body. But that's one of the things that I enjoy. As well, at the Korean spas, there's a variety of different things that you can try out as far as different heated rooms. So one of the spas that I like to go to in Los Angeles, which is Century Spa, they have a bunch of different rooms in their upper floor level, which is co-ed. And basically those rooms are heated to anywhere between like 100, like I would say 80 degrees to probably around 180, 190 in some of the hotter rooms. And then they also have a room that's like a freezer where you go in after you've done all the heat to kind of bring your body back into homeostasis. But they have a room that's like 
you know, has like a gold ambiance plated one that has jade rocks in it, an entire room made out of salt crystals, one that's made out of a particular type of clay, and it almost has this like kind of like cinnamon type smell to it. I don't know. It's it's not super strong, but it does it is kind of relaxing in my opinion. And there's another room that just has really hot rocks on it. And you have to like lay down mats on there or else you can like fully get burned and stuff. But um but yeah, that's something that I typically try to stay in each of those rooms. There's like four or five rooms up in the upper level. I try to stay in each one of them for like 10 minutes plus and um, just endure it, which probably some people would want to do like one to two minutes maybe if they're just starting out. But I really like to push myself because of all the benefits. This increases the amount of heat shock proteins that develop in your body. And it also increases the plasma and blood flow to the heart. So it does increase your heart rate. For some people, it can be around like anywhere between like 100 to 150 beats per minute. And that is similar to cardiovascular exercise. And depending on what your weight and what your normal heart rate is um, or blood pressure is, that can be something that varies from person to person. But it does typically elevate the heart rate but your body is in a very calm state because you're just sitting still. Essentially, you're not really pumping blood to your muscles. So it is a little bit more of like a passive way to get your heart rate up a little bit. And there are benefits to that because it obviously exercises your heart. Now, heat stress is a stress and this activates stress responses in the body. Now, not all stress is bad stress because there are certain types of stress that we can go through that actually cause the body to adapt to things a little bit differently and there are a lot of benefits to that. So, heat shock proteins are activated in this type of heat and this happens anytime when the core body temperature rises. Typically, the core body temperature is around 98.7 anywhere in that range around that set point. So when you're able to push that up even a fraction of a like a decimal, then that's really, really important because it's applying a bit of heat stress on your body and your body has to learn how to adapt to that in order to maintain homeostasis. So oftentimes it'll be like sweating a little bit more, but your body will build new neural pathways in regards to how to manage the stress that you might be experiencing And there are a whole bunch of other biochemical things that take place as well. The important thing about heat shock proteins is that these are able to prevent a certain type of damage to the cell. Now, as we age, this damage happens to our proteins. Aggregation happens and there can be plaque buildup in the blood vessels and even in the brain. One of the common plaques are beta amyloid plaques. Now, heat shock proteins prevent this from happening. Heat stress activates them, and this can lead to immediate heart and skin benefits, but the process of more proteins can actually develop over the course of several weeks. So even if you expose yourself to extreme heat, two weeks later, you can still be receiving the benefits from this. And studies have shown people who have higher heat shock proteins have a greater chance of living to 100 or becoming a centenarian. And studies have shown in those who are over 100, they have higher levels of this type of protein. Heat shock proteins also prevent muscle atrophy, which can really be so important for athletes as well as people who are getting older because we tend to lose muscle mass as we age. So maintenance is very important. 
Heat stress has also been linked to improvement in endurance for athletes. It prevents the atrophy during muscle disuse. So even if you're not using your muscles or you are recovering for an injury, this can be something that can prevent your muscles from atrophying even if you're not using them. And it also aids in regrowth during times of reloading. So once you begin exercising again, your muscles will be healthy and you'll be able to build them in a more efficient way. Heat shock proteins also improve insulin sensitivity by increasing glucose receptors in muscle cells. So what this means is oftentimes when you are exercising, you have to get glucose into the muscle cell, which can convert to glycogen in order to use that as fuel, as well as oxygen is really important to have in the muscle. But glycogen is really important because that is the fuel for the muscle. So if you have more glucose receptors in your muscles, you're going to be able to exercise longer, you're going to have more endurance, and you'll be able to exert more strength in whatever type of activity you're doing, which is really important for endurance athletes. We can also see that there's an increase in BDNF and noroepinephrine. Now, BDNF is a particular type of protein that stimulates the growth of new brain cells, and noroepinephrine is a neurotransmitter associated with focus and attention. So these are really important things to always be building because cells die all the time, but brain cells and ability to focus and have really strong attention is really, really amazing. So the fact that this particular heat shock protein actually has been shown to cause positive benefits in this respect is really amazing. Heat shock proteins also are correlated with a longer lifespan and longevity. As we know, people are living longer, but their quality of life isn't necessarily as great. And although it has been a major medical accomplishment that people have been able to lengthen the lifespan, we know that, you know, for anybody who has seen or had to care for a grandparent or a parent in the hospital who's aging or dealing with different health complications at an old age, that's not a desirable thing to experience. However, if you're able to age with your health and as healthfully as possible as many of us want to do, then this can be a huge benefit. Now, one of these heat shock proteins is FOXO3, and the FOXO3 genes are imperative for longevity, and it turns on more genes that cause your cells to be more resilient to age stressors, especially DNA damage. FOXO3 increases the expression of genes which lead to cell repair, which in turn prevents cancer growth, and it is also known to increase the amount of cells that actively fight cancer growth in the body. This gene is likely to trigger different functions, including apoptosis, through the expression of genes necessary for cell death. Now, apoptosis is the death of cells which occurs at a normal and controlled part in an organism's growth or development. So this is really crucial. FOXO3 also activates glutathione peroxidase as a very potent antioxidant, which is an enzyme which utilizes glutathione to do antioxidant-type things in the body. And this is amazing because this particular antioxidant that we make in our body is far more potent than what we consume dietarily as far as antioxidants. I still think it's imperative to consume a lot of dietary antioxidants. Another thing the FOXO3 gene does is it increases autophagy, which is different than atrophy, which is a shrinking of muscles. Autophagy means that cells are chilling. So some of the cells that they're not necessarily active, but they're not dead. 
And normally, if you have very efficient processes in your body, your body will kick these cells out either through your digestive system, they'll get extruded through urine or sweat, and they'll somehow exit your system. However, some people, they have a lot of lingering cells that are just chilling out. This process means that instead of the cell just hanging out in the body, it will actually eat itself rather than going through the process of senescence, which actually causes the particular cell to litter the body with pro-inflammatory molecules called cytokines damaging the neighboring cells. So it's really important to make sure, you know, it's like taking out the garbage. You want to make sure that all of your cells are being replenished with new fresh things from like what you're eating and that the bad stuff is getting out because if the bad stuff is lingering around, it's not only going to increase inflammation, which we know that high inflammation can cause a lot of stress to the body. It influences cortisol production and is present really at every stage of cancer growth and within a lot of chronic degenerative diseases. So it's really important to make sure that we are keeping that type of functioning at the most efficient possible level. FOXO3 gene has also been shown to increase the body's immune system process, which is also something that has been shown to decline with age. This makes you less susceptible to virus, bad bacteria, as well as cancer, not to mention a host of other chronic degenerative diseases. FOXO3 also aids in repairing and maintaining healthy metabolism and supporting optimal stem cell function within the body. These are just a few of the benefits of FOXO3. I could go on, but I'm going to cap it off here. After mentioning a lot of these benefits, obviously we can see from the scientific research there's a lot of biochemical things that happen in the body that are so, so amazing. And there have been different research processes done on other types of organisms, whether they be flies or worms or rats or mice. And a lot of these things show similar benefits in even different organisms. When it comes to heat therapy on a more like comfort level, heat therapy can help by providing a warm, comforting sensation. A heating pad and even light stretching combined can ease a lot of pain of muscle stiffness Heat can also help increase blood flow throughout the body, and as we know, increased blood flow can heal injuries faster and help relieve the pain you are feeling from an acute injury. Now, I've come across conflicting research when it comes to icing your injuries because, as we know, swelling is a response in the body that when we were wandering out in nature and might have stubbed our knee or become injured, swelling was the body's natural cast. So some people are really against icing. I'm kind of like, I don't really know how to feel about it, but I mean, I grew up icing a lot of my injuries and I think when it does come to pain, I try to let things heal as naturally as possible because I really do trust the body to do what it needs to do. And I mean, for me, I'm clumsy as far as, you know, constantly being in the dance studio and just, um, you know, whether I'm choreographing, doing a lot of floor work, leaping to the ground or doing a bunch of different rolls or things or tricks on the floor. There are a lot of different ways I will end up getting like bruised in places that I'm like, I don't even know how this happened, but I tend to just let it heal on its own rather than feel like I need to ice or do anything special for it. So I really love heat. I love to go in the sauna, especially after I do weight training or cardio. It's usually something that I'll use to cap off my exercise before I 
shower up and head out of the gym, but there are a lot of other things that it can help with. I feel like it does aid in my recovery a lot. I'm not very sore on a regular basis and I do train pretty hard. So, and pretty regularly for extended hours of time. I mean, it's not uncommon for me to be training anywhere between three to eight hours in a day. So, you know, the fact that I can wake up without much stiffness or soreness and have this as a part of my regime and not really have to take any other anti-inflammatory supplementation. The only other thing that I really incorporate is a daily magnesium sometimes, not even always daily, I would say. And I sometimes even take just half the recommended amount of magnesium. And magnesium does work as a muscle relaxant and it has been in high doses. When you use it in high doses, it can have a bit of a laxative effect. So you don't want to take too much of it if you don't need to. But magnesium also has a lot of different benefits to it. It does promote healthy muscle functioning. So it prevents muscle cramping as well. It also promotes bone health and maintenance of muscle. So if you're building muscle, then it will help you maintain the muscle. And it is also really good for balancing out cortisol levels. So it actually works in the blood to lower your cortisol. And we know cortisol is a stress hormone, which we need some cortisol in our system, but elevated levels of cortisol from lifestyle factors or a variety of different things can lead to different health issues. So it is important to look into magnesium if you think it is something that you want to incorporate into your lifestyle and into your kind of regime and take the amount that will work best for you. Coming back to the benefits of the heat shock proteins, though, it can relieve pain faster when you're healing from an acute injury. A lot of people ask, is heat good for you? Then as the environment around you warms up, the body tends to warm up as well. And your body's internal thermostat maintains a constant inner body temperature by increasing sweat production. In this way, the body increases the rate of heat loss and is able to typically balance that burden. So some people get really concerned that it's going to be really bad for them or they get really scared. Fear can come up a lot in people when they're in a heated room. Um, I've seen this a lot in my hot yoga practice. People get kind of like freaked out and stuff and they feel like, you know, something's happening to them where it's just kind of one of those things you have to mentally push through and, and get the benefits from it. So heat is actually amazing for the muscles as well. So applying any heat or being in heat to, you know, if you have an inflamed area, it will dilate the blood vessels, promoting blood flow and help any sore or tightened muscles relax, which is amazing. And this can actually be more effective than cold in treating chronic muscle pain or sore joints caused by things like arthritis or minor injuries. Now, when it comes to skin, hot weather or even extreme heat can cause water loss from the body, leading to dehydration. And this can cause the skin to feel irritated, red, or in dry. And it's really important to always make sure you drink a lot of water before going into the sauna or after coming out or into a heated environment or before you're coming out. Summer heat tends to mean that you're going to be sweating a little bit more. And if you are, I like for me personally, I have oily skin. So when I started practicing a lot of hot yoga, my skin was breaking out and I didn't really understand why, but um. I definitely have a very clear understanding of that now and am able to take care of that a little bit more. But I would say if you do have oily type skin, make sure you're exfoliating and moisturizing and um, just getting any of those dead skin cells that are on the surface of your skin off as best you can, whether that means using 
some type of a glycolic acid, um, hyaluronic acid for moisturizing, a vitamin C exfoliant, or even a vitamin A cream that is more of a chemical exfoliant if you need that too. Some of the benefits that are come from things like hot yoga are less injuries, you have less toxins in your body, you increase your lung capacity, you have better circulation, stronger immune system, it's beneficial for lymphatic system, more flexible muscles, it can lead to weight loss, and especially if you are sweating a lot and burning a lot of calories in that way. Now, these are just some of the benefits from extreme heat. And as we go into the winter months, if you have access to a sauna or a spa in your area, I really encourage you to look into it because there's so many different benefits from extreme heat that you can expose yourself to that can have lasting effects for years to come. Thank you for tuning in to Vibrant Raw Living. Remember that you are just as worthy, deserving, and capable of achieving and maintaining your dreams as much as anyone else. If you have found this podcast useful, please subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud and share it with your friends and family. You can find links to my Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Pinterest, and Snapchat in the show notes below. And if you'd like to follow me for updates, which I only share via email, come on over to my website at victoriamadian.com. I love you and I'm wishing you a wonderful day. Go out there and discover your infinite potential. 